Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Biden touting legislative achievements on the anniversary of his second year in office. The latest move by the White House after Biden says he has no regrets about classified documents. Ukraine wants more tanks and Poland is willing to supply them. But Germany needs to approve. The U.S. Secretary of Defense met with German leaders today to discuss the issue. GOP lawmakers are gearing up to use the debt ceiling discussions to push for spending cuts. Former President Trump weighs in what he tells them not to cut. Congressman George Santos isn't resigning. And what's more, he's now on two House committees. But the House Speaker says Santos still has a long way to go to earn trust. And thousands of people in Washington, D.C. today for the 50th annual March for Life, this time in a post-Roe America. Today marks two years that the Biden administration has officially occupied the White House. The president touting accomplishments today after breaking his silence on the classified documents. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the White House. Today is two years since I was sworn in as president. Marking the second anniversary of his inauguration, Biden tows achievements to nearly 200 mayors invited to the White House. 18 million people were out of work two years ago this week. Now the nut number is under 1.6 million. We're also making the biggest investment ever, ever, ever in climate. And that's as the White House on Friday sent out a cheat sheet about job growth and cooling inflation, highlighting what it calls the overwhelming popularity of the president's economic agenda. But the Republican National Committee gives a less rosy assessment of Biden's two years. Writing on Friday, American workers are seeing their paychecks shrink and families are paying more for gas and groceries. All this as scrutiny continues to grow over Biden's handling of classified documents. After dodging reporters' questions for a week, Biden on Thursday broke silence on the discovery of the files, but only to say he does not regret not telling the public earlier. We immediately turned them over to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating and looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. The White House on Friday would not comment on what he meant. I'm not going to get into specifics or I'm not going to uh, go beyond what the president has said. This weekend, Biden's heading back to his home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, when asked if it had anything to do with classified documents being found at his other home in Wilmington, Delaware. The White House says it's not going to comment. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tau, NTD News. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and General Mark Milley met with defense leaders in Germany today. After more than five hours, no decisions were made on providing battle, advanced battle tanks to Ukraine. NTD's Arlene Richards has that story. Hundreds of thank you are not hundreds of tanks. Defense leaders meeting at a U.S. air base in Germany on Friday came up short on a decision to supply German-made Leopard 2 tanks to Kyiv. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and General Mark Milley joined allies to discuss sending more military aid to Ukraine in its war with Russia. This $2.5 billion package is one of our largest yet. It helps Ukraine meet its air defense needs, 
with additional NASAMS munitions and eight Avenger air defense systems. And this package also helps tackle Ukraine's urgent need for armor and combat vehicles. The defense minister of Poland said 15 countries have the German-made Leopards. But in order for them to send those tanks to Ukraine, Germany would need to consent. Some reports say Germany is resisting mounting pressure to quickly supply the Leopard tanks. But CNN reports that Germany's defense minister said allies have not reached a consensus on sending them. Confirming, Poland's defense minister said the 15 countries discussed the issue, but no decisions were made. In previous comments, Germany said it will release the Leopard tanks if the U.S. releases U.S.-made tanks. Austin defended German leaders after the meeting on Friday, saying they are a reliable ally and they've been that way for a very, very long time. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Former President Trump is urging Republicans not to cut Social Security or Medicare. Some GOP lawmakers have signaled that they would use the debt ceiling battle as leverage to push for more spending cuts. Under no circumstances should Republicans vote to cut a single penny from Medicare or Social Security to help pay for Joe Biden's reckless spending spree, which is more reckless than anybody's ever done or had in the history of our country. Former President Trump is adamant about protecting seniors and retirees from what he calls the Biden administration's spending agenda. In a video released on Friday morning, the former president said, Cut waste, fraud, and abuse everywhere that we can find it, and there's plenty of it. But do not cut the benefits our seniors worked for and paid for their entire lives. Trump's recent comments on the two social programs are in line with the White House's messaging. President Biden has warned Republicans not to cut those programs and said he'd veto any such efforts. Meanwhile, Trump is still dealing with a variety of legal matters. Also on Friday, he withdrew a lawsuit that aimed to block the New York Attorney General from accessing his private trust. No reason was given. The day before, a judge fined Trump and his attorneys for suing former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. He ordered them to pay nearly a million dollars to cover the court fees of the defendants. Trump had claimed she tried to rig the 2016 presidential election by falsely accusing his campaign of links to Russia. The judge, a Bill Clinton appointee, said the former president has exhibited a pattern of misusing the courts to further his political agenda. The same judge threw out Trump's lawsuit in September. NTD News. Republicans unveiled their full roster for the House Oversight Committee this week. We take a look at their picks and what they plan to investigate. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg reports. The House Oversight Committee for the 118th Congress will be chaired by Representative James Comer. Republican members include Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, Scott Perry, Andy Biggs, Jim Jordan, Nancy Mace, Byron Donalds, Lauren Boebert, and Paul Gosar, among others. The full House Republican conference still has to vote and approve the recommendations, which is seen as a formality. Democrats have yet to reveal their picks for the committee. The White House criticized Republicans for the appointments on Wednesday. One spokesman accused them of handing the keys of oversight to the most extreme mega-members of the Republican caucus. He says they may be setting the stage for divorce-from-reality political stunts instead of engaging in bipartisan work on behalf of the American people. Republicans have accused the Biden administration of obstructing congressional investigations in the weeks leading up to the new Congress. The White House refused to answer Republicans' oversight requests in December. They requested documents on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, as well as the origins of the coronavirus before the end of last year. 
Special Counsel Richard Sauber called the requests constitutionally illegitimate because Republicans didn't yet hold a majority or control over congressional committees. House Republicans have laid out their investigation plans. First off, a probe into President Biden's handling of documents with classified markings. Next, a hearing on the Biden administration's border policies starting in February. They've also pledged to look into the business dealings of Hunter Biden to find out if there's any connections to the president. Other investigations will include the fentanyl and energy crises, pandemic relief fraud, the Afghanistan withdrawal, and the origins of the coronavirus. The GOP says now that they have the gavel, oversight and accountability are here. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Embattled Republican Representative George Santos is under investigation for alleged lies during his campaign. But recently he was assigned to two committees. The new congressman says he's not resigning. NTD's Arlene Richards has that story. Despite the piling allegations of lies and misconduct and escalating calls for his resignation, Republican Representative George Santos has been tapped to serve on two House panels, the Committee on Small Business and the Committee on Science, Space and Technology. The two low-level seats are a consolation to the more high-profile panels Santos lobbied for, one overseeing the financial sector and another on foreign policy. Republican leaders, for now, have chosen to treat him like any other member of the House, even as federal authorities investigate potential campaign finance violations and local prosecutors probe alleged misrepresentations during the campaign. Santos is adamant about not resigning. In a recent interview with the Epoch Times, Santos said he has no intention of doing so and instead is focused on serving his constituents. I was hired by the voters and I will be fired by the voters, not by the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or the media, he said. And so far, Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy is siding with Santos. He's got a long way to go to earn trust. But the one thing I do know is you, you apply the Constitution equal to all Americans. The voters of his district have elected him. He is seated. Santos is accused of lying about a growing list of topics, including his education, work history, Jewish heritage, and being the descendant of Holocaust survivors. The openly gay congressman has also been accused of competing as a drag queen in Brazilian beauty pageants 15 years ago. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And today was the 50th anniversary of the March for Life. It was also its first march since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Welcome to the 50th March for Life. Thank you for coming. Jeannie Mancini, the president of March for Life, got the crowd excited. I want to welcome you to the world's largest, longest running annual human rights demonstration, the March for Life. This is the organization's first march since Roe versus Wade was overturned. She said there will still be about 700,000 abortions in America this year. Mancini said this year's March for Life theme will be focused on the next steps, one of which is to get more pro-life laws passed at the state level. Then she introduced several guests to speak in front of the crowd, including House Majority Leader Steve Scalise. Only think about this. A bill that says if a baby's born alive outside the womb, you can't kill the baby and call it abortion. One out of 212 Democrats supported that bill. Now that's not America. 70% of Democrats in America think it's wrong to allow that baby to die. Yet up here in Washington, that's how extreme they have gotten. 
and former professional football coach Tony Dungy spoke about the Buffalo Bills player who recently survived a cardiac arrest on the field. We need to pray with the same fervor that we prayed with during that week because God answers prayer and he will answer these prayers to save these precious unborn lives as we go forward. NTD heard from a former Planned Parenthood director, Abby Johnson, who spoke about abortions by pill. We don't even know what the what the psychological impact is going to be for these women who take these drugs and, and, and see their fully formed babies, you know, floating in a toilet. And they're not going to be ready for that. They're not going to be prepared for that because everything on the Internet tells these women it's just like taking a Tylenol. And, and they're being lied to. They, they have no idea what to expect. And, and then what do they do? Do they flush their baby down the toilet? Do they pick it up? Do they take it somewhere to bury it? They don't know. They're not going to know. Since this was the first March for Life since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, some said the atmosphere was more joyful than the previous marches. And their first march was in 1974, one year after abortions became legal in the United States. Those who are pro-abortion say women should have the right to make decisions about their own bodies. Jason Perry, NTD News. The Federal Aviation Administration has revealed what happened on January 11th when a systems outage grounded thousands of flights and disrupted air travel across the U.S. Over 11,000 flights were disrupted when a key pilot notification system went down, stranding some planes on the ground for hours. The FAA has been probing the reasons behind the failure. The agency's preliminary review says contract staff unintentionally deleted files when transferring data between databases. It added that it has so far found no evidence of a cyber attack or malicious, malicious intent. Aviation insiders said they couldn't recall a system-wide outage of such magnitude that was caused by a technological snag. If you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Coming up, New Zealand's leader resigns. Analysis of her surprise move amid plummeting polls and an upcoming election. And in the NFL, Bill's safety DeMar Hamlin may be a regular at the team's training facility, but a family spokesman says he faces a lengthy recovery. NTD's Dave Martin has the story, that and more, coming up. Just yesterday, New Zealand's Prime Minister said she would resign due to burnout. The announcement comes amid plummeting approval ratings and criticism over the economy during strict COVID policies and now inflation. Earlier today, I spoke with the Brownstone Institute's founder and president, Jeffrey Tucker, who's written extensively about pandemic policies and their effect on culture, the economy, and society as a whole. Jeffrey Tucker, welcome to our show. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Now, Jacinda Ardern is stepping down, saying she's only human and just too worn out. It comes at a time when her party is polling poorly. Many are pointing to inflation for her waning support, but you have a different take. Could you tell me about that? 
The problem was the complete failure of her zero COVID plan. I mean, from the very beginning, she swore that COVID would never come to New Zealand, and and she actually believed this, you know. And and every doctor I know in New Zealand knew it was a ridiculous idea from the very beginning. It's uh, SARS-CoV-2 is part of the family of coronaviruses that's always going to be with us. It's never going away. It's going to be here for every generation endemic, and you can't protect your people forever from what is, for most people, uh, a minor inconvenience. And she used the existence of this virus to uh, really completely change the political character of New Zealand itself. They went from one of the freest places in the world to the, one of the most despotic, thereby wrecking the reputation stopping all travel, arresting people who left their homes. It was it was the, a very grim display. And, of course, in the end, it did not work. Except that it left so much economic carnage, not just the inflation, but uh, just ruined businesses, ruined travel, destroyed whole industries. And the entire time she did it with a cruel smile. You know, so it was it was grim. And she was deeply, uh, rightfully, uh, uh, deeply unpopular. And so she, she, she bailed out of her political career before the voters had a chance really to punish her. And so do you think that she could be leaving to avoid scrutiny and accountability for her pandemic policies, some of uh, which have been ruled unlawful? Well, we're asking some of the same questions in this country. And this is all over the world. Everybody wants there to be some justice and accountability for these lockdowns and vaccine mandates. Uh, but, you know, the, the problem is if, if once you leave political life, you know, uh, she could be disgraced. But the thing is, she's, she's got a global audience and many people are going to be protecting her. I'm sure there's a book on the way. You know, she, her, her, one of her most recent public appearances was to give the Harvard commencement last year to the cheers of the uh, extremely stupid students and administration there. So that's what she's going to be doing. She's going to be speaking at all the fancy parties and all over the world, flying around privately, and probably pick up a bunch of corporate board spots and, and things like that, and be the toast of the town uh, basically forever, as disgusting as that sounds. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see if there's anything that happens that really takes her down. Now, one of the, the hidden scandals with Ardurin is her relationship with the CCP. So that uh, that is something that needs investigation and exposure. And if it really does turn out that she was basically operating as a, as a tool, uh, uh, a puppet of the Chinese Communist Party, which I think is very likely, uh, that could actually devastate her reputation. And if she had run for re-election and lost, given her poor polling now, do you think it would be considered a referendum not just on her, but on the lockdown and mandate policies that she championed? That referendum is happening anyway, and and partially she admitted failure when she uh, she let everybody out of jail, you know, on the condition of uh, the vaccine mandate. And of course, the vaccines didn't work, right? So this is a disaster for her. But the fact that the COVID controls are basically gone in her country is already a referendum on these failures. Now she's not going to admit it, right? Any more than Fauci admits his his mistakes, or, or Boris Johnson, or any of the rest of the uh, rest of these people. But but people know. People know because they can look. There's a policy you pursued that destroyed our rights and our liberties. It didn't work. When it didn't work, you uh, pretended as if the jab was going to change everything. The jab didn't work. And now you're you're running for your life and getting out of public life. That's already a referendum. So she's, I would say, um, uh, more disgraced in the eyes of the people than she ever has been. But as I say, 
that's not going to keep her out of being in the limelight of the ruling classes. That's the way the world works right now. We have really two big groups out there, the people on the one hand and this tiny minority of ruling class elites on the other. They have their friends. Their friends are typically our enemies and vice versa. Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Appreciate your time. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin, who's made what doctors called miraculous progress, still faces a lengthy recovery, according to family spokesman Jordan Rooney. Rooney told ESPN, quote, Damar still requires oxygen and is having his heart monitored regularly. He has visited with the team a few times, but he still gets winded very easily. Hamlin collapsed just two and a half weeks ago during a game against the Bengals and had to be resuscitated on the field. Incredibly, he was released from the hospital just nine days later. On Wednesday, Bills coach Sean McDermott said Hamlin was making regular visits to the team's training facility, but cautioned that the 24-year-old was taking it a baby step at a time. Hamlin's Bills will be in action Sunday against those same Bengals in the divisional round of the playoffs. Elsewhere in the NFL, former Jets great Joe Namath offered to unretire his number 12 jersey if the Jets are somehow able to get the four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers onto their team. Namath made the comments on the WFAN's Tiki and Tierney show, adding that he hopes it comes true, but admits it's far-fetched. Rodgers, who turned 39 in December, hasn't said definitively whether he'll return for the 2023 season. He's still under contract with Green Bay, though, after signing a massive contract last offseason that will pay him nearly $60 million in 2023. Meanwhile, the Jets have mostly struggled at the quarterback position, with Zach Wilson raking last in the NFL in completion percentage. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has nine games on tap, including the Memphis Grizzlies, who've won 11 straight games, taking on LeBron James and the Lakers in Los Angeles. And finally, for you hockey fans, a slow night in the NHL. Pittsburgh hosts Ottawa, while the reigning Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche visit Vancouver. And that's a wrap for sports. Steph, all yours. Thanks, Dave. And finally, the first lady of television, Miss Betty White, was remembered last night at the Hollywood Museum. The event celebrated what would have been White's 101st birthday, which would have been on January 17th. NTD's Jackie Rios was at the celebration to hear more about the TV icon's legacy. The Hollywood Museum is unveiling a lobby tribute exhibit to the legend Betty White. She was an iconic Hollywood star that was easily recognizable on TV with a career spanning over 70 years. To remember this TV legend, the Hollywood Museum celebrated what would have been Betty's 101st birthday on Thursday night. The exhibit includes original props, scripts, collectibles, and vintage photographs from her career. It also showcases her favorite costume from the sitcom Hot in Cleveland. Celebrities from all genres came to pay their respect for what the Hollywood Museum describes as the first lady of television. Actors who were lucky enough to work with Betty remember her as being down to earth. 
It was awesome. She was so wonderful to work with. She's she was a star, you know, and she lasted a lifetime. Who does that? Her smile, her love of hot dogs, <laughs> her flirting with every cameraman. Oh my! I mean, she was always kind to everybody and she was always there to make you laugh. We just loved Betty. Betty White's TV career never stalled. She was a woman that always kept on working from daytime talk shows to game shows and movies. Most remember her from shows like Life with Elizabeth to The Golden Girls, Hot in Cleveland and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. She also made appearances on shows like Boston Legal and The Bold and the Beautiful, just to name a few. My favorite was Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, she was great on the Golden Girls. She was great in everything she did. The Hollywood Museum houses exhibits in film, cable TV, and even beyond Hollywood's favorites. It features an extensive collection of Hollywood memorabilia, including costumes, props, scripts, photographs, posters, the list goes on. Attendees say it is the perfect place for an American Hollywood legend, such as Betty White, to be remembered. Jackie Rios, NTD News, Hollywood. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.